Well, hello there. I'm Stacy. I'm Coulter. And this is, of course, any crime at all. So, uh, I don't think there's anything real new. Treat Williams died. If anybody knows who Treat Williams is. Rest in peace to the good homie. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm pouring one out for him right now. Um, um, I, I just wanted to mention how I'm dressed right now. I have flowery shorts on because, you know, hippie. Yay. But then I have a camo top on. I think I'm very confused. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So how are you doing, Mr. Colter? Uh, well, you woke me up to do the podcast. Mm-hmm. I didn't complain. Sure did. Nope. Because it, it was the deal. Yep. Yeah. Um, he I'm, worked today. Yeah, like, I worked good, early, though. and then we fucking went hard at the gym. So, yeah. by the way, I love the gym. I'm 47 years old. This is the first time I've ever gone to the gym. Like, not today, but I mean, like, you know, it's the first time I've ever gone to the gym. Why would I never go before? What the fuck was wrong with me? I love it. When you said I'm 47 years old, mm -hmm. right away in my head I went, I'm thrice divorced <laughs> from the old Matt Foley sketches on SNL. <laughs> you know, van down by the river and all that. So, uh, our last, our previous three episodes were about those fucking festering anal blood farts, the toolbox killers. Thank fuck that's done. Oh, I'm yeah. so done with them. Like, that was disgusting and ugh. Yeah, so anyway, so I wanted to switch it up a little bit this time, and it is obviously about true crime, but I wanted to do songs based on true crimes, and what do you know, there's a fuck ton of them. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Like, I, we could do a part two, part three, probably part four of this. Oh, absolutely. We'll keep it, we'll keep it. Like, uh, around for that. Yeah, like Coulter just mentioned, too, I should, because I don't. I don't particularly like punk music. He does, right? I, love, do. I, I like punk rock. I, I don't particularly like it. But he said that I should look into punk music. So maybe I'll just let him research that. Yeah, maybe I'll do the second one. Because I don't want to listen to punk rock. Yeah, maybe I'll do the second one of this, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. It's a cool idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. But I was thinking, like, country music, too, and I, I really don't like country either, but... We could do a Nickelback song. <laughs> what song? Why? Side of a Bullet. Yeah? Side of a bullet is... No, don't say it. We can use it. Okay. Whew, guys, that was close. Okay, unplug your ears, guys. It's fine. I, I got them to stop talking. Why? Before we get started, why does everyone hate Nickelback with a passion? I don't know. I don't mind Nickelback. They have some good songs. Yeah. Yeah. That that slow one with the video with the firefighter? Uh, I don't know, but... I don't know from this video. Um... <laughs> it's a video with a firefighter. It's a... Uh... She's scared that he's not going to come back. Far, uh, far away? Yes. See, that's a good song. Yeah, that's a good tune. Uh, and then there's... Uh... They redid uh, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, didn't they? Them and Kid Rock, yeah. Yeah, I didn't mind that. Because that was the... Hockey NHL, Night, yeah. Hockey Night in Canada, they yeah. play that. Yeah. When there was actually fights in the game. Yeah. There's not anymore. You're not allowed like, to anymore. That'd be like Saturday night's all right for tripping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which it because is. It's, uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, because, uh, like, who's who's playing hockey now? Is it millennials that are playing hockey now? 
Is that what they would be? And millennials, Gen X now. Gen X, not Gen X, uh, Gen, what is the, uh... Gen Z? Yeah, that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, I'm not gonna get it into the fucking generational wars, but Gen X is the best. Anyway, um... I agree, and I'm not that. So, that's because you were raised by just me. Yeah. And I'm a Gen Xer, and we rock. So, anyway... So, yes, songs written about true crimes. I implore you people to go listen to these songs. Some of them are so good. And uh, some of them you may never have heard of. Like this first one I've never heard of. And now we both agree that we like the song. Which one is that? This is Deep Red Bells. Oh, yeah. By Nico Case. So, Nico Case was born in 1970 and grew up in Tacoma, Washington. Right away, that sort of gives it away for true crime buffs. Fucking Washington has really spread it up some good music, eh? Yeah. Washington State. Big time, yeah. Gary Ridgway, also known as the Green River Killer. Who will we will be covering at some point. Yes, we will. Was committing his heinous deeds in and around this area in the 1980s and 1990s. This song pinpoints one of Ridgway's unfortunate victims. It has a slow, sort of folksy, country kind of vibe, Colt. Would you agree with that? I wouldn't throw the country part in there. No? Yeah. I found her voice had a sort of like a country twang sometimes. I, I don't know. Is she How would you describe is it? Is she a country artist? Uh, I don't think so. Judging by the other couple songs that I listen to, she's more sort of folksy. See, that's the vibe I got. Just folksy. Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, sort of caught some country, a little bit of country in her voice. Well, a lot of times they both go hand in hand. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, and bluegrass, which I love me some, some bluegrass, the old, old bluegrass. Anyway, the lyrics are very poem-based. Didn't you find that? It wasn't, they weren't like song lyrics. It was like she wrote a poem and thought, I'm going to put this to music. Yeah. Which a lot of the best songs are like. Yes, like I Under agree. the Bridge. Yes, I agree. Um, the words, though, the words are haunting. Like the line, When speckled fronds raise round your bones, who took the time to fold your clothes? So fronds, like uh, ferns, she means. Yep. When they rise up around your bones. And he would actually sometimes fold their clothes. Yeah. Because he would go back to the crime scene. He would... I don't want to give too much away, but Gary Ridgway was into necrophilia. Yes. So... He would have almost a relationship with the yes, body. Yes, he, he would go back, he would, like, fix the hair and um, put lipstick on the body. And he would go back and have sex with it until it was too rotten to have sex with. Boy, when you say it out loud... <laughs> Pretty fucking bleak, eh? Yeah, and I know a lot about Gary Ridgway. Yeah, yeah. Or the line, Those like you who lost their way, murdered on the interstate. Now, they weren't particularly murdered on the interstate. He wasn't like one of those interstate killers. But he, they were sex workers, prostitutes, they were known as at the time. Um... He would pick them up there, and then they would go on the interstate, and, you know. Which is how I guessed what the song was about. Yes. 
because you uh, when we listened to it, I, it said murdered on the interstate, and I'm like interstate killer. Yeah. And you were like no, and then I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it, and then I'm like, what state was he from? Was mm-hmm. this crime? And then you told me I'm like oh got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Ridgeway was eventually convicted of 48 murders. But he confessed to over 70. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but they, they only had, only, I'm saying only, they only had 48 bodies. So, and you know, it's bad because you know how these people are, these killers. They remember everything about their kills and where they left them and shit like that. You know, you've done too many when you can't remember. Yeah. Didn't he say, oh, there could have been more. There could have been, like, a hundred. Yeah. Because he was doing it, like, often. At, at the end, it was, like, every week. Yeah. At least one a week. Sometimes two a week. Yeah. Okay, so this next one shocked me. I did not know it was about true crime. I've been listening to this song since, I'm going to say, I think, 91? The album came out, You'd Know Better Than Me. Yeah, September 24th, 91. Day after my birthday. Well, thank you, Kurt. And Chris. And Dave. Um, So this is Polly by Nirvana. No idea. I had no idea it was about a true crime. And it's a pretty fucking grisly crime. And a great song. And a great song, yeah. Kurt Cobain, the frontman of Nirvana, wrote the song Polly around 1987 or 88 after he read about the terrible rape and torture of a 14-year-old girl. Gerald Friend, terrible name for this dude, eh, Friend, offered the girl a ride home after a rock concert and she accepted. However, he then took the young girl to his mobile home where he hung her upside down and tortured her with a razor, a leather belt, hot wax, and a blowtorch. Fuck. Blowtorch. That's in the song. Hey, Gerald Friend also, was he, was he not a suspect in the Green River Killer case? Yes, he was. Okay. <laughs> I gotta give you a high five for that, buddy. Okay. Right on. Good for you. He also repeatedly raped her. Friend then took his victim to Mount Rainier, where I assume he was going to kill her and leave her body, right? He then raped her again. Why is this going? My computer's being a shithead, guys. I'm so sorry. I'm like, sorry, dude. Um, yes, so he then raped her again. This brave girl, though, leapt from the truck and jumped into a river where a passing motorist saw her and picked her up. Oh, that's good, yeah. She jumped into a fucking river. <clears throat> wow. Like, even if you can swim, you don't... Uh, I, I, that just seems... It's badass. Yeah. yeah. Friend had kidnapped and raped a 12-year-old girl in 1960 and was sentenced to 75 years in prison, but was paroled in 1980. So did 20 years. Yeah. And uh, her family, by the way, sued uh, Washington State. Good. Or the Washington... Uh, uh, prison system or whatever justice system. The 1960s? Yeah, because they let him out 
after only 20 years. And if he had been kept in, their daughter never would have went through this, right? And if she hadn't have escaped, how many other people would he have killed? How yeah. many other little girls? So, um, some chilling lyrics from the song. I think she wants some water to put out the blowtorch. She asked me to untie her. A chase would be nice for a few. She caught me off my guard. Amazes me the will of instinct. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. People don't give him enough credit for his songwriting. What are you talking about? I don't he think. gets credit for it. I don't think he gets enough. He's a very good songwriter. It wasn't just all gobbledygook like some people think. Like, do people think that? Some people do, yeah. Well, fuck because them. they they listen to the songs and they're well, this song makes no sense. Are are you listening to it word by word or are you putting the words together or what are you doing? Cuz no, that pisses me you know off that I mean? people think that. So anybody who listens to this on the reg cuz I'm hip, uh knows that I'm big on women's rights and stuff like that. I just want to say that Kurt Cobain was very big on women's rights. Oh, yeah. No, he very was. Big. All three of them were. And I found, a, I found a quote by him, and I want to read it, and I want all you gentlemen out there to just, you know, take a page from Kurt's book. Quote, There are all kinds of men that are on, that are on the side of women and support them and help influence other men. In fact... A man using himself as an example towards other men can probably make more impact than a woman can, unquote. And that is so true. And I just implore all you men to start standing up for your women, for all women, your moms, your sisters, your aunts, your grandmas, your friends. And the fact that he was like that with the way he was brought up. Yeah. Is shocking. It says a lot about the guy. Yeah. Okay, this next one really fucking got me. I had never heard it before. I had heard of it, but I had never heard the song. So, um, when I explained it to you, I wasn't... Had you ever heard it before? I don't know what song we're at. Suffer the Children? Suffer yes. Little Children? I had heard the it Smiths. so much because... I Did you know what it was about when you heard it? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. I... I but I had heard the song a lot because my friends were really into the Smiths. I, I don't particularly care for the Smiths too much. I hate them. But, uh, <laughs> and I really don't like Morrissey's solo stuff. But this, I gotta give them credit for this song. And I'll do a little bit of explaining about the song at the end of this. So, Suffer Little Children by the Smiths. The Moors Murders. I know many of you had, have heard of these, but if not, I'll do a brief overview. Ian Brady and Myra Hindley were a couple, a couple of fucking assholes, from Manchester, England, that together raped, tortured, and took the lives of five young people and buried them on the Saddleworth Moors. Four of them were actually buried on the Saddleworth Moors. Their victims were Pauline Reed, 16 years old, John Kilbride, 12 years old. Keith Bennett, 12 years old. Leslie Ann Downey, 10 years old. And Edward Evans, 
17 years old. So sad. They were both sent to prison for life, though Hindley did try everything she could to get paroled, including writing to Leslie Ann Downey's mother. Oh my God, what a piece of to shit. To implore eh? her to go to the parole board and ask for Myra to get out. Leslie Ann Downey's mother, she was a lot less crass than I am, but she was more or less like, uh, yeah, go fuck yourself, you blonde cunt. You know, Yeah. which I would have been too. Just show up at the parole board. I'll get you out. Out of life. <laughs> Kill you, you bitch. Anyway, that is ridiculous. Right? Um, oh, these two sick fucks also made an audio tape of the rape and torture of little 10-year-old Leslie Ann. They're both dead now. Good. Yeah. The song was written about these crimes. The Smiths were a British band headed by now so all our sub did you get all that? Headed by now solo artist Morrissey. This is truly a hauntingly chilling song. The opening guitar riff is almost playful, but then leads into this horrible crime. So some of these lyrics are over the moor, take me to the moor, dig a shallow grave and I'll lay me down. Oof. Um, let's see here. Leslie Ann, with your pretty white beads. Oh, John, you'll never be a man, and you'll never see your home again. Oh, Manchester, so much to answer for. Now, Leslie Ann, with your pretty white beads, she had a beaded, a white beaded necklace that her mom had just recently given to her. And when they buried her, Myra Hindley laid the beads on top of her body and then they buried her and when they found her body the beads were on her body really little white beads yeah uh hindley wakes and says oh whatever he has done i have done so so there might have been a weird edit there and that's because uh the cat aja was running around running into walls she sounds like a tiny little horse we got a little fucking house hippo here yeah um, so just go. Continue, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this song is very haunting, and uh, you should go listen to it anyway because you you might enjoy it. Like who, anyone who likes the Smiths, if you haven't heard it, go listen to it. And if you're into true crime, go listen to it. Because everybody has different tastes, right? Yeah, for sure. Not everyone can be perfect like me. Nah, <laughs> just kidding. So, onward and upward, my friend. Do you have anything to add about that Smith song? No, I don't want to talk about it. Anything to do with kids, eh? You're just like, oh. No, yeah. So, this next song that we're doing is by a little band called The Killers. Yeah. Which, as I was saying earlier, I like that song, Mr. Brightside. Yeah, I'm not a fan of any song. By The Killers. By the killers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you are a fan of songs. There are many songs I enjoy. <laughs> so this song is called Jenny Was a Friend of Mine. And the brief overview I got of it, I was like, huh, I don't know this case. And then when I read into it more, I was like, oh yeah, I know this case. <laughs> so this crime occurred on August 26th, 1986 in Central Park in Manhattan, New York. It was widely known as the Preppy Murder... Does that ring a bell? Oh, I know the preppy murder, yeah. Jennifer Levin 
was at a bar with her friend Robert Chambers on August 25th, 1986, and they were uh, last seen, well, she was last seen, leaving with him in the wee hours of the morning on the 26th. So it would have been like one, two, three in the morning. I don't know how long bars were open then. In, we watched in a documentary on this. Probably. Yeah. Um, so at around 6.15 a.m. on the 26th, a cyclist found Levin's partially clothed body near a tree. And the cyclist immediately contacted the police. So, you know, he had to run and find a payphone or some shit because 86. Um, as the authorities secured the crime scene, Chambers hid behind a wall or a tree, depending on the source you read, watching them. Because <laughs> wow. the coroner determined that she had died at 5.30 a.m. The cyclist found her at 6.15. Holy shit. She was still probably warm. This poor girl. Uh, so the cops did their due diligence because this was a white woman and they found out that Levin was last seen with Chambers. So they questioned him and he said he didn't leave with her. The cop said, uh, no, we have witnesses. So he said, yeah, okay, I left with her. Uh, but she left me and went to buy cigarettes. And the cops were like, yeah, she didn't smoke. And he was like, yeah, yeah, she, she didn't leave to get smokes. But this guy's the worst. <laughs> so then he said, she lured me to Central Park to have rough sex. She then tied my hands behind my back with her panties, and she was molesting me without my consent. What? Yeah. She overpowered him. Apparently. Um, yes. So, the sex went on, and he, quote-unquote, accidentally killed her. Uh, anyway, he was sentenced to 5 to 15 years in prison, and he did end up serving the full 15 years... Because he was a complete shit behind bars. <laughs> he was caught using and selling drugs behind bars. Mm -hmm. He only got 15 years? Yeah, because he uh, he got uh, manslaughter for it. That's despicable. That's what it's like for rapes and stuff like that for women. So many women aren't believed. So many women are forced to uh, retract their statements. Or, you know, you're going to ruin this poor guy's life. Fuck this poor guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's despicable. Um, if anybody's looking for a good documentary to watch, by the way, Victim Suspect on, uh, what's that? Netflix. So fucking good. It will make you so angry. But anyway, Is watch it. Is that what I watched with you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She she puts on these documentaries and I have he, he no... He doesn't really give a shit about them and then... I get so involved. Yep. <laughs> Yep, he does. I'm cursing them and yep. <laughs> chanting, yay, women, <laughs> and stuff. That victim sus suspect one, he went and put a dress on. He was like, I'm a girl now. No, he didn't really. But anyway, um, so some lyrics from this song. We took a walk that night, but it wasn't the same. We had a fight on the promenade out in the rain. She couldn't scream while I held her close. I swore I'd never let her go. There ain't no motive for this crime. Jenny was a friend of mine. So, the Jenny was a friend of mine? He actually said to the cops, I don't know why I did it. Jenny was a friend of mine. 
Wow. Yeah. So the next one we have isn't very hard to figure out by the name of it. It's called Death Valley 69 by yes. Sonic Youth. Um, I will say about this song, uh, I was never really one for Sonic Youth. I like a few songs, but I was never one to rush out and buy their album or anything. Yeah. But this song, it, it's... Pretty good, but the chick they have singing with them, Lydia Lunch, wow, she is so eerie in the song. So eerie. If you haven't listened to this, please, guys, go listen to it. It's fucking, it's creepy as hell. I want to point out that I love Sonic Youth. Cool. <laughs> so anyone who is even only partially aware of some infamous crimes will know what this song is about. The Manson family, of course. Charles Manson, over the course of almost two years, got a ragtag group of teens and young adults together under his, shall we say, tutelage. It started out as peace, love, sex, and drugs. You know, all that good stuff. However, like any cult, or religion for that matter, it quickly rose to paranoia, hate, and violence. August 8th, 1969 would go down as a day no one would forget. Manson sent some of his family to 10050 Cielo Drive in Benedict Canyon to kill everyone, and they did as instructed. Sharon Tate, I meant to put 9.5 months pregnant. I put 98.5 months pregnant. Fuck. Wow. She was uh, late. Yeah, very. <laughs> Kid was like five. <laughs> Uh, 9.5 months pregnant, Jay Sebring, Abigail Folger, and Wojciech Frykowski, and Stephen Parent were all murdered that night. On the next night, August 9th, Manson again sent members of his family to a different location to again kill everyone. They made their way to 3301 Waverly Drive in Las Feliz, uh, that's in the Griffith Park area, where they broke into a house owned by Leno and Rosemary LaBianca. The twisted fucks brutally murdered this couple as well. So, some lyrics from the song. Coming down. Sadie, I love it. Now, now, now. Death Valley 69. Now, <coughs> pardon me. Coming down is uh, obviously a reference to the song Helter Skelter, yeah. which everyone knows Manson used Helter Skelter. It was going to be a race war, blah, blah, blah. Uh, now, now, now. Uh, he said that when he told his followers that when you killed someone, you were bringing them into the now. Um, this is no surprise to Coulter, I'm sure. Any of this stuff, right? Can I just point out, in the Beatles' defense, mm -hmm. Helter Skelter is but a slide. Yep. One of those twirly slides. Yeah. Yep. Yep, that's how fucking twisted people are. Yep. Uh, so another lyric is, we're deep in the valley, how deep in the gully. And now in the canyon, way out in the yonder. And they came from the valley to the canyon. Yeah. Um, and then, I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna, but she started to holler, so I had to hit it. And that's later about um, Susan Atkins saying that she didn't want to kill anyone. But... Sharon Tate started to scream, so she started to stab her. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know if I buy that. Though. Oh, I don't. I don't. Well, but truly, probably... She I'll... probably didn't want to, but she was so fucked, fucked at up. that time with drugs. And, and I mean, her and Tex did... Uh, there's differing accounts of this, but she said that her and Tex did fucking angel dust that night before they went out. Or speed. No, speed. They did speed before they went out to do this. So she was already... Ooh. And then all the drugs that had been... She was a fucking big druggie and everything before she ever met Manson. She was a topless dancer and shit. And yeah, so... That's and then... Easier to manipulate. Exactly. That's exactly why he did it, yeah. But we will get into that when we do our Manson stuff. <laughs> yes, which is coming very soon, guys. Very soon. I just want to make it perfect for you guys. I want to make it perfect for me. And I want to make it absolutely stellar for you guys. So you guys just walk away and be like, wow. She wants it to you be know? the most thorough Manson information out there. Yes, I really, really do. Okay, so this next song is by an artist that I never particularly enjoyed. Many fucking people do. Um, great songwriter. Great songwriter. I just don't like his music. That's all. So this one is... Nebraska by Bruce Springsteen. The boss. Coulter uh, loves Bruce. I love Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. So this crime took place in Nebraska and Wyoming in the late 1950s by Charles Starkweather, 19 years old, and his girlfriend, Carol Ann Fugit, 14 years old. Yes. Now, these crimes a lot of people might know. The movie Natural Born Killers was Sort of loosely based on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... On November 30th, 1957, Starkweather murdered a gas station attendant. And then he went back and told Carol that he robbed the gas station, but he didn't tell her anything about killing the dude. Which, later on, we find out she probably wouldn't have minded too much. Yeah. Uh, then on January 21st, 1958, Charles went to Carol's family home, and together they murdered her stepfather, her mother, and her baby sister. Yeah. They continued their crime spree by killing a farm owner in Bennett, Nebraska, who had let them stay at his farm. So, that's the thank you he got. Yeah. Then, the killers hitched a ride from a pair of teens and soon murdered them as well and took the car. Then they made their way to a wealthy part of Lincoln, Nebraska, and broke into a wealthy industrialist's home. This man's wife and the housekeeper were the only people home. So Starkweather and Fugit murdered the wife, a family dog, and forced the housekeeper to cook them breakfast. So ridiculous. Right? When the industrialist came home, they shot him, then tied the housekeeper to a bed and stabbed her to death. Then the pair killed a traveling salesman and stole his car. They were pretty quickly apprehended after this because apparently uh, Starkweather didn't know how to work a fucking uh, a handbrake, an emergency yeah. brake. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't make the car go. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, then the pair... Uh, no, sorry. They were pretty quickly apprehended after this. I mean, like, maybe an hour later. Yeah, it was very quick. <laughs> Starkweather was executed, and Fugit spent 17 years in prison. That's it. Just 17 years. 
yeah. She got out and had a family, and yeah. I don't know how... How do you do something like that and then just get out and, yeah, I want to have some babies and, you know, like Carla Homolka. Yeah. yeah. I did my 12 years. Now I'm going to have a family of my own. Like, you sick fuck. You just murdered three children. One of them your sister. Like, what? Uh, anyway. Some lyrics from this song are, I saw her standing on her front lawn just twirling her baton. And I really love that he put this in because it shows how young she was. Yeah. That was... Brilliant on his part. Me and her went for a ride, sir, and ten innocent people died. From the town of Lincoln, Nebraska, with a sawed-off 410 on my lap. Through to the badlands of Wyoming, I killed everything in my path. Oof. uh, And then another lyric is, Now the jury brought in a guilty verdict, and the judge, he sentenced me to death. Because he's singing from his perspective. Exactly. Which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, that twirling her baton, I was like... Because when they actually started dating, she was 13. Yeah. And he was 18. But uh, it was the 50s, though, so I it was a lot different then. It was still rough. It's still rough, but I mean, like, she would have been... That's marrying time back then. Like, <laughs> um. She would have had fucking four kids by the time she... Look at Loretta Lynn. She had four kids by the time she was like 18 or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the next song we're doing... I don't know. It. Coulter had... I don't think he had... You said you never... Listen to me. I'm just... Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, what are you talking just about? Diary of the mouth over here. Um, you said you had not uh, heard of this band, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this band is called the Boomtown Rats. Yeah, but I know the song after I heard it. Yeah. Um, I I don't think they were ever, like, huge. I only ever really heard this song. And I, I've always liked this song. I love the piano in this song. It's ve- it's a very cheery piano. And then the song is about this. Yeah. Like, it's called, I Don't Like Mondays. Um, actually, you know the song by uh, the uh, the Bangles? The Bangles? Am I saying it? The Bangles? The Bangles? Yeah. It was not sounding right in my head, I swear to God. <laughs> anyway, uh, their song Manic Monday, They, she was influenced by I Don't Like Mondays. Oh, okay. That's why she wrote it. Yeah. So, this crime took place at Grover Elementary School in San Diego, California. Is this sounding familiar at all yet to you? No. Because you weren't sure what this one was about. On Monday, January 29th, 1979, this is when it took place, Brenda Ann Spencer went to school with a 22 caliber rifle where she killed a nine-year-old boy. She just opened fire, by the way. She killed a nine-year-old boy and a 56-year-old custodian while injuring nine other people. Is that like one of the earliest school shootings? I would say so. Mm. Yeah. Um... Police pulled a garbage truck in front of the school to stop her from shooting, and Spencer then retreated to her home. While holed up for a few hours, evading the cops, Spencer spoke to a reporter on the phone. When asked why she did what she did, Spencer replied, quote, I don't like Mondays. This livens up the day, unquote. Fuck, eh? She was like 14, 15 years old, something like that. 
In a 2009 parole hearing, Spencer said she didn't remember uttering those horrific words, but she added that it was, quote, a lot of fun, unquote. At a parole hearing? Yeah. <laughs> Why even bother going? <laughs> she was sentenced to 25 years to life, and, not surprisingly, she's still in prison. Yeah. She, she'll die there if she's saying shit like this at a parole hearing. Yeah. She ain't getting out. So, some of the lyrics are... And all the playing's stopped in the playground now. She wants to play with the toys a while. And school's out early and soon we be learning the lesson today is how to die. Tell me why I don't like Mondays. I want to shoot the whole day down, down, down. That's the chorus, actually. Yeah. So, that was an interesting one. I don't like Mondays. This livens up the day. It's so weird. And her parents were like... She had never been anything like this. She'd never been depressed. She'd never been angry. She was just a normal kid. And then just this one day, she was like, I think I'm going to go kill some people at my school because I don't like Mondays. Fuck, man. Holy shit. Isn't it crazy what your fucking brain can do? Yeah. So this next song is well-known by everyone around the world. It has to be. It's It's one of their... Bigger songs, I would say. Uh, the Doors, Riders on the Storm. Riders on the Storm. Into this world we're born. I, Great song. I, I actually don't know what this is about. And I spent like my teenage years getting high to this song. Everyone. It, the Doors were the best thing to get high to. Yeah, oh yeah. Not promoting drugs or anything, kids, but you know. Um... I'll promote some. <laughs> well, weed isn't really a drug. Well, I have some more. I don't really I have some more I'd promote. Consider it a drug. But, uh, Psychedelics. Do them in a safe place. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Ride Around Storm by The Doors. The Doors. <laughs> uh, these crimes were committed by Billy Cook. Okay. Not familiar? No. It's a pretty common name, actually. Uh, a mechanic turned murderer. <laughs> On December 30th, 1950, Cook was hitchhiking and was picked up by a good Samaritan. Cook robbed him at gunpoint, then forced him into the trunk of his own fucking car. The man escaped by prying open the trunk with a tire iron. Way nice. to go, bud. Cook drove until he ran out of gas in Oklahoma. Again, he started hitchhiking and was picked up by the Mosser family. Mom, dad, three young kids, and a pet dog. Cook forced them to drive around aimlessly for approximately 72 hours. How fucking scary would that be? Fuck. With your kids in the car? Yeah. Oof. Uh, yeah, approximately 72, 72 hours before killing the whole family. And when I say the whole family, I mean the dog too. Oh my god, eh? Cook made his way to California, where he accosted Deputy Sheriff Homer Waldrip. I like that name, old Homer Waldrip. Deputy Waldrip. That sounds about right, for some reason. Yeah. And made the cop drive around aimlessly, while Cook bragged about murdering the family. He just likes driving around aimlessly, this guy. Yeah. Um, for some reason, he let the sheriff live. He told this cop, yeah, I just murdered a whole fucking family of five. Uh, yeah, get out. You're good. Dude, what are you doing? 
Anyway, I'm glad he, I'm glad the sheriff got to live. But yeah, yeah, weird. but that's fucking weird. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, he let the sheriff live, but soon had another victim, a traveling salesman from Seattle. When the man tried to overpower Cook, he was wounded, then shot in the head. Cook then kidnapped a pair of hunters and forced them to drive him over the Mexican border. However, a policeman recognized Cook, walked up to him, just walked right up to him, took the gun from Cook's belt, and put him under arrest at gunpoint with his own fucking gun. Oh, that's badass. Isn't that fucking cool? Since there was no extradition order in place between the U.S. and Mexico at the time, <laughs> you're going to love this, police officers physically pushed Cook across the border. Uh, yeah, that's good. Where he was immediately arrested. These fucking Mexican cops, man, yeah, they're they don't like, care. Orale, I say, get the fuck out. So, obviously he recognized them because of a description from the deputy. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it would it have gone, that, yeah, right? yeah, it would have gone around, yeah, uh, like they would have been calling other place, precincts yeah. and shit because that's all they had then. They didn't even have a fucking teletype then. Um, Cook was sentenced to 300 years in prison for his crimes to be served at Alcatraz. Oh, Alcatraz. Yeah. So some lyrics from this song are, There's a killer on the road. His brain is squirming like a toad. Take a long holiday. I won't sing, guys, sorry. Let your children play. If you give this man a ride, sweet family will die. Killer on the road. Girl, you gotta love your man. Okay, I'll stop. So. <laughs> yeah, you made a promise already. What yeah, I'm sorry. It, I, I got the music in me, boy. Anyway, um, this is uh, this next and final song that we're doing is one of the fucking greatest examples of lyricism. I have come across. Chicka, 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 slim shady. Fuck yeah, baby. This is <laughs> Darkness by Eminem. And if you haven't heard this, go listen to it. But I implore you, like seriously implore you, to read these lyrics on their own. Because this... Anyway, I'll read about this first, and then we'll get into the breaking down of the song. Break it down. Uh, this is a crime we will all remember with sadness and shock. It took place at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival in Las Vegas, Nevada on October 1st, 2017. It didn't seem like that long ago. No. It seems like it just happened. Yeah. And also, was that on Paramount that we watched it? Awesome documentary oh. about it called 11 Minutes. All this took place in 11 fucking minutes. Minutes. It's so hard to believe. But on Paramount Plus, 11 minutes, great documentary. Um, that's another one I started watching and you were... No, we wanted to watch no, that we, together, we, we right? We both yeah, wanted yeah, to yeah. watch that. That's true. So Jason Aldean was on the stage when Stephen Paddock, 64, from Mesquite, Nevada, opened fire at the concert goers. At first, people thought it was fireworks. Because you're at a concert. Yeah. Uh... <clears throat> But soon, there was complete pandemonium and panic 
as people were being killed and injured as they attempted to run away. Like, can you imagine just rocking out at this concert and somebody just falls, shot in the head or something in front of you? Like, what the fuck? And you're in this open space and you have no idea where it's coming from. No shelter. It could be... It could be someone right beside you. Yeah. It could be someone... Yeah. People thought it was, uh, like, somebody shooting out on the street. Yeah. Like, just... And then when you realize you might get a sense of where it's coming from, and then you're like, I have no fucking shelter. Ow! Cat just scratched me. Ouch! That hurt. Um, You reacted like you were... You got shot. <laughs> there. <laughs> So at first, oh, I already read that, didn't I? Yes. Paddock was on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Yeah. Fuck. And he had such a view of everything. Yeah, and he had artillery. Oh, fuck, did he? Um... Uh, so we had a very large shooting range, I put here. 61 people were killed. That includes a person who died in 2019 yes. from the injury and one in 2020 from the injury uh, from this concert. And how many were injured again? 867 people were wounded. Wow. 413 by gunfire and shrapnel. That is unfathomable i yeah. i can't even like it, it's so hard to process that number of people being injured by this one fucking kook yeah kook why'd i say it like I that you fucking kook anyway um when police entered his room because they they did find him real quick yes. they found out where it was coming from really fast when police entered his room they found him dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head 24 guns were found, including 14 223 caliber AR-15 type semi-automatic rifles with the scopes. Like, really long-range scopes. Like, this dude had money, so he had, like, the best. It smashed out the window? Mm-hmm. Yep. He was actually leaning out the window yeah. shooting. Like, ugh. So, yeah, and he had numerous rounds of ammunition. No motive for the crime has ever been discovered. They yeah. talked and talked and talked to his girlfriend, his brother. Cats, they, uh, cats running around there. Yeah, they, they had no idea. Like, he never let on anything. Now, Eminem is an amazing lyricist, and this whole song is filled with double entendres. He even says double entendre at one point in the song. Yeah. About the shooting and him doing a concert simultaneously. Yeah. It's fucking crazy, this guy. This, I'd love to get in this guy's brain and just see what's going on, but... I don't know if you want to go. Yeah. <laughs> Have you yeah. heard some of his other music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plus the way he... Like, he, he has said before that he's always got words going around in his mind, like... Not words, but like, well, words, but like, uh, what do you call them? Lyrics. Lyrics. I couldn't remember the fucking word and I just said it 150,000 yeah. times. <laughs> um, yeah, he's always got like lyrics and, and 
rhymes and shit going on yeah. in his head like all the time. Like he's always writing on his hand. Napkins. He said sometimes he'll write on a table. Yep. Like just anything around. Wow. His kids. Come here. <laughs> and just before we get into the song here, if you look at Eminem's lyric sheets, mm-hmm. which you can look at, you can go online and look at some of them. They've been in books and mm-hmm. whatnot. Mm. They're very strange. Like there's, there's like, Four lines on a corner of the paper. They're just scattered all around. But it makes sense to him. It makes sense to him. Yeah. Yeah. Organized chaos. Organized chaos. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So some lyrics from the song are, Feels like I'm loathing in Las Vegas. Haven't got the Vegas why I'm so lost. But I'd make you this small wager if I bet you I'll be in tomorrow's paper. Which, that's about the shooting. And that's about... What it's been like for him. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. Um, if I uh, fuck the Colt 45, I'm going to need something stronger. If I pop any caps, it better be off of vodka. Now, Colt 45 being a gun. Yeah. And uh, a liquor. And a liquor. But he needs something stronger. This guy needed something stronger than a Colt 45. Yeah. This fucker. If I pop any caps, and everyone knows that's shooting. Yeah. But then he puts it into, it better be off of vodka. So he brings it all around. Like, I can't even. I can't even with this dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, round after round after round, I'm getting loaded. That's a lot of shots, huh? Like, what the fuck, dude? Guy, you're... um, Yeah. (laughs) I just... (laughs) Um, Didn't I suggest this song for you? Yes. Yeah. Don't want to hit the stage before they fill each row to the max, because that'd be totally whack. You can't murder a show nobody's at. Yeah, which is a crazy double entendre there. Right? Yeah. Um, Panic mode, bout to snap, and go motherfucking wacko at any second. About to cancel the show just as fans below rush the entrance. Fuck. Scopes for sniper vision. Surprise from out of nowhere. As I slide the clip in from inside the hotel. Leaning out the window going Kaiser Soze, right? Yeah. I'm saying that right? Uh, finger on the trigger, but I'm a licensed owner. With no prior convictions. So law says sky's the limit. I put that in there because... The states and their fucking gun laws. Like, Eminem gets it. You'll never find a motive. Truth is, I have no idea. I am just as stumped. No signs of mental illness. And this guy, he makes this flow. Like, this sounds stupid coming out of my fucking mouth right now. And there's no way I could rap this. Because I can't rap. Uh, Well, he can make things rhyme that don't rhyme. Yeah. Like, orange. Yeah. Just trying to show you the reason why we're so fucked, because by the time it's over, won't make the slightest difference. And I, I specifically put that in, too, because it doesn't matter how many fucking shootings that country has, and I'm sorry to our listeners from the United States, but I worry for each and every one of you. Yeah. It's... About going to school, going shopping, going to church, anywhere. Yeah. And it never matters to the fucking government. 
And I want to point out too, in the video for this song, the I, video for this song is it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And but uh, at the end of the video, he shows all the news clips and everything from the shooting, multiple shootings, different shootings. Oh, he, really? He's highlighting a bunch of different shootings. He does too, doesn't he? Yeah. Little I'm, news I'm clips and whatnot. I'm gonna have to rewatch that video. But yeah, that's uh. And, you know, for a second there, when I was reading these out, I could, like, hear him spitting them, quote-unquote. <laughs> and uh, I'm reading them out like this, and I was like, wow, I am the whitest white that has ever whited. Okay. <laughs> like, holy fuck, man. But, uh, yeah, great song. Great fucking lyrics. Like, this guy just... Horrible my crime. Mind. Horrible crime. Horrible. 11 fucking minutes. And this guy did this much damage. And the damage just keeps going. These families. Yeah. They're without people. Some of these people are probably uh, paralyzed and whatnot and traumatized. Even the people that didn't get injured that were just at the concert are probably extremely traumatized. Well, in the documentary, it highlights that a bunch of them get together. Yep. And everything. It's... Yep. Uh, the, uh, they call themselves something. In I that forget. 90, 91? Uh, the, bla I don't know. the black guy. I don't know if I can say black guy or is, is that bad now? No, I, I don't think they mind Okay, that. Yeah, yeah, I don't mean anything by it. Um, the, the black guy from... He's from... Uh, South I just called myself the whitest white the, that ever the, whited. <laughs> he's from South Central Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And he went to this country concert and the fact that he was facing racism at the concert. Like, yeah. why are you here? There was actually people saying that to him. Like, why aren't you at a rap concert and shit like that? Yeah. Like, Fuck off. And then that man almost died saving many people. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And and then... He when, was shot in the fucking neck. And he, uh, he ended up, obviously, with the trauma and PTSD, becoming horribly depressed. Mental illness took over after it all. And drinking. And drinking. Yeah. But when it, it's amazing when it shows him going to the big meeting of all of them. Yeah. And he's like, I finally found people who understand. Yeah. And it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. That really pissed me off, though, when he was saying about being at the country, uh, the country gig, the yeah. country concert. Yeah, because like, he was wearing the stuff, too. Yeah, and he had a cowboy hat on. and Like, why can't he like country music? Yeah. yeah. Charlie Pride was one of the best country singers ever. He was black. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, that, that kind of shit makes me sick. Yeah, yeah me that too. That makes me fucking ill. Like, music is supposed to bring people together. But I love that guy. That guy's story was my favorite. Oh, his story was I, It's weird to say that. I like all their stories. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, uh, was more, in, most engrossed with his, I would say, in that documentary. Him and the twins. But... I, I hope he's doing okay. Yeah, me that too. guy. He seems like a me really too. nice guy. By the end of it, he seemed like he was doing all right. Yeah, he he did get his drinking under control, and like he can still have a drink now, but he doesn't let it go too far. And yeah, he's a father, and yeah, it's just beautiful, beautiful man. Any cool ass hair too. What was his hair? I forget. I just remember it being wild. That's true. He did have wild yeah. hair, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that is our... I didn't think we were going to fill an hour. Well, we did. Wow. Yeah, we got to do a part two of this. 
Uh, you guys should let us know if you like this. We can do more. If you have any song suggestions. Yeah, suggest some songs to us. Because I love researching. I love re I was going to say I love re researching them. I just love researching. Um, yeah, so that is it for tonight. And we'll see you next week. Yes. I don't even know what I'm doing yet next week. So it'll be a surprise to all of us. <laughs> um, and uh, Coulter, do you have anything to add? Keep your head on a swivel because people are capable of any crime at all. They truly, truly are. People are the worst. Anyway, we fucking love our freaks. And thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.